I'm being told I can now operate like this. We're shifting the permission structure. We're, we're changing from a, a culture where innovation is reprimanded to one where it's rewarded. And I want to be able to do that. And I'm going to use the innovation doctrine to do it. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, establishing a culture of innovation across federal agencies and what innovators should know about overcoming innovation roadblocks. It's Thursday, August 17th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. After extensive coverage in recent weeks by FedScoop on how agencies are inventorying their AI use cases, the Office of Management and Budget has shared additional information about how agencies should comply with the 2020 Trump administration executive order meant to guide the responsible deployment of AI across government. OMB's clarification follows FedScoop reporting that noted patchwork compliance with the order and highlights that many agencies may not have had a complete understanding of its requirements. An OMB spokesperson acknowledged the problems with the AI inventorying process and said that if agencies do not currently utilize AI, they must post a statement saying they don't use the technology. Agencies are required to both post a full version of their AI use case list to the federal MAX portal and a public version to their own website. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan sent out a memo to departments and agencies Wednesday morning to ensure their cyber infrastructure is compliant with a May 2021 cybersecurity executive order on improving U.S. agencies' cyber defenses. This comes after a number of agencies have failed to fully comply with the requirements of that 2021 cybersecurity executive order. A spokesperson added, the administration has been focused on strengthening cybersecurity in the, quote, nation's most critical sectors since day one, and will continue to work to secure our cyber defenses. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. Chief Innovation Officer. It's a title you don't often see across the federal government, but at the Transportation Security Administration, it's become a critical role for building and sustaining a culture of innovation and creating an environment that incentivizes anyone across the agency to innovate. Dan McCoy served as Chief Innovation Officer at TSA from May 2020 to October 2022. Now the head of business development for BMNT, McCoy joins me on the Daily Scoop podcast to discuss what he learned during his time as chief innovator at TSA and how other federal agencies can take that blueprint to create a culture of innovation, whether they have a chief innovation officer or not. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Billy, I appreciate it. Honored to chat today. So Dan, you were a chief innovation officer at the TSA for two and a half years, a role you don't see uh, uh, very much across government, but it's certainly one that some agencies have. And I, I'm curious, just given that that unique experience, I'm, I'm hoping you could walk us through your experience in that role and what you saw the agency accomplish in the innovation space during that time. I would be happy to. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's not a role you see very frequently in government. No. I would even go as so far to say that it's not a role you, you really see a lot in general. Um, there's a conception that innovation can often be housed in either a research and development group or it's housed in kind of a technology-focused IT group, but there's definitely an emergence in government in many ways isn't around an innovation officer being next to the leadership team, having innovation be 
its own core competency for an organization. TSA is even more unique in that my role was a not to exceed non-career appointment. So TSA is focused not only in developing innovation, but doing it in a way that cycles out leadership from different spots around the DMV, from different technology sectors. My predecessor was a security expert from London Heathrow. Um, my successor is now a lawyer with a background in kind of patents and, and campaigning. So TSA is very focused not on just innovation, but bringing in different thoughts and ideologies in that leadership role. From my perspective, as you mentioned, was there for about two and a half years and really was focused on developing the foundations of what a chief innovation office does, what support structures exist around the role, what support structures exist within the agency to spur innovation and the culture of innovation. And I, patting myself in the back, think we did a pretty tremendous job. The program successfully transitioned. It exists in a broader sense than when I was there. The team is doing amazing work to not only continue to grow based on what we developed, but change uh, and adapt based on necessity. Two big programs I'm tremendously proud of, the Local Innovation for TSA LIFT program was our effort to push innovation to the edge. If you think about the makeup of TSA, 60,000 employees um, spread at 430 federalized airports, our innovators aren't always gonna be at headquarters. So how do you enable, train, and empower those folks to be able to innovate where they are, build a pipeline of innovation that they can manage with our support or solve problems on their own based on concepts like design thinking and lean agile. And then the second is the TSA innovation doctrine. I think this is a great starting point and blueprint for any government agency that is identifying a culture of innovation as a key next step on their journey to improve either constituent services or internal processes really across the board. It's a little eye innovation idea where you look at any aspect of an agency and say, we can bring innovation to this sector. That's a great start. And I think you said some things that I definitely want to follow up on, namely the the culture of innovation, because I think it's uh, one thing to innovate in a one-off manner or in silos or to take steps to start to innovate, but not continue it. Uh, but it sounds like you created a culture of innovation that persisted. And I'm curious how you were able to do that at TSA in a way that it still exists today. And namely, or as you mentioned, uh, how other agencies can sort of take that blueprint um, and build upon it so that there's a wealth of innovation more broadly across the federal government. Yeah, I love this question. I always give way too many quotes in my answer of things that kind of inspired us. When I first met with Administrator Pekoski, uh, who's still the TSA Administrator today, when I came on board, this was peak COVID, right? This was May 2020. We had gone into lockdown. The aviation sector was really hit hard. Um, and we were struggling with how we support TSOs in the field who are still making sure that the airways are safe as passengers travel during the pandemic. And he said something that kind of framed in the next few years for me, which is uh, your job is not to do all the innovation. Your job is to create the environment and the permission structures that more innovation happens at TSA. And it was a great line because it was also something that we had pulled from the Defense Innovation Board uh, a report from years ago of what does a chief innovation officer do? And it is that synchronized activity and, and build the culture of to allow innovation to happen more organically. I became obsessed with this concept of culture of innovation after reading 
Reed Hastings book, uh, No Rules Rules, the Netflix culture document, and said, what would that look like in government? If we had a almost bill of rights with our, our employees to say, and also our industry partners, uh, to say not this is the step-by-step -step guide of how to do innovation, but here are the thoughts and principles we espouse that will create innovation. Decentralized execution with centralized intent, trust and transparency, fail fast, and then how do you put those in a document where from a leadership team perspective, you can say, this is our expectation of anybody in the organization. You should be able to spot, curate, develop a problem statement and begin the innovation process. But more importantly, it was an opportunity for the workforce, for those two and a half percent innovators to those early adopters to bring the doctrine forward to their leadership team and say, I'm being told I can now operate like this. We're shifting the permission structure. We're, we're changing from a, a culture where innovation is reprimanded to one where it's rewarded. And I want to be able to do that. And I'm going to use the innovation doctrine to do it. And I think that's really how any agency can start is, is take an assessment and say, are we rewarding the behaviors of innovation or are we reprimanding them? And unfortunately in government, in too many different agencies and departments, we think that we're supporting innovation, but in actuality, some of the steps you take to, to stick your head out and try something new gets you reprimanded. Um, and that's really the big, the big shift that has to occur. And I think an innovation doctrine is just a great focal point to start having that conversation. Well, it sounds like it, it's probably pretty helpful to have a chief innovation officer to, to sort of support and uh, incentivize and create that environment, as you mentioned. But, you know, as we, we discussed at the top of the conversation, chief, chief innovation officers are not a, a regular position across every federal agency. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on the importance of the role and uh, perhaps, you know, why it might be incumbent upon agencies to think a bit more about why uh, an, a chief innovation officer, or at least somebody in a leadership role who's responsible for driving innovation is important? It's a great question. And you do see innovation roles, I think, popping up more frequently in government. I think a chief innovation officer is kind of a specific within that. We looked at it as broad innovation is what comes to the chief innovation officer. Um, transformation really more than innovation. I think the big I innovation sometimes takes a pejorative term now in government because it's just tremendously overused. But a chief innovation officer's job is almost the, the fertile soil analogy. How do you create that operating environment bringing in tools, training, partners, and sometimes technology to allow more people to innovate. Within my structure, we had a crowdsourcing platform that we would pull ideas from the field. We had large training programs where we were putting uh, anyone from you know, the TSOs at LAX in the state of Montana, all the way through our colleagues at headquarters through a design thinking training. We were removing policy barriers that were slowing down uh, previously ideated innovations that just didn't make it either through the authority to operate hurdle or they couldn't get on contract due to the new nature of how they wanted to come into the building. And those are the problem statements for a chief innovation officer. It's how do you kind of remove those bureaucratic steps and almost look at, at built up policy like barnacles on a boat that you got to come scrape them off to make sure the boat can weather a storm. There's other roles of innovation that I think are incredibly important in an org. You can have 
R&D innovation, which is faster development of requirements and, and fielding technology. TSA had an innovation task force that sits within the requirements and capabilities analysis office, which I think is a tremendous add-on to any innovation structure. And then other groups like DHS has the PIL, which is the Procurement Innovation Lab. They look at different ways to use other transaction authority and commercial solutions offerings. So it's almost a federated network of different innovation units. And then uh, things like the lip cells or those democratized innovations. How do you get innovation all the way down to the lowest level? The Chino is in charge of all of that. It's kind of the oversight of making sure that that works. And it most importantly scales and continues to support an agency. I really uh, like that. Um that uh, analogy of the barnacles. And I think that's that's a solid picture to paint for people who might be inspired to innovate within government um, as as they think about, you know, how they might go on that journey. But, you know, thinking about that, you know, for those who are uh, listening, who want to innovate more within government because they, like you, kind of identify the need to do so. What are some of the most common roadblocks you would warn them about? And what advice would you give them to sort of persist and succeed uh, in their efforts? There are a lot of roadblocks um, to innovating in government. I think any bureaucratic system, there's the norms of doing things, and then there's the way that you kind of want to drive things forward from a mission outcome perspective. There's a whole conversation to be had around if the role of innovation is mission acceleration or mission disruption. We can save that for another time. But I think common roadblocks you run into, first and foremost, is your own um, conception of the problem. And I would say first, anybody thinking about addressing a challenge within their own organization is there are no facts inside the building, so get outside and do discovery. Your idea of what the problem is will shape the solution. And unfortunately, more often than not, solutions are developed in one conference room with some seemingly really smart people thinking about designing what that silver bullet looks like only to find out that the problem you know, wasn't a werewolf, it was a zombie. Bad analogy, but understanding what the problem is is the first step to actually going to solve it. So get outside the building to do it. Within government specifically, I would say anybody kind of moving into the innovation space needs really two key attributes. One is grit. You need to be able to keep serving almost as a little CEO for your problem statement, your solution, and keep driving it forward. The procurement process is going to not align to exactly what you want. The acquisitions process, same thing. You're going to hit some IT barriers around small size and authority to operate. You need the grit to make sure that you're continuing to push that. The other is empathy. I think it's a key attribute for anybody successfully innovating in government. And it's not just empathizing with the person who's experiencing the challenge, but it's empathizing with the people that you're working with to solve it. From your perspective, your contracting officer might be delivering less than desired outcomes for you, but he or she has something that they are trying to accomplish based on how they are rewarded within their system. Empathize and work with them to make sure you understand that and then start to teach them along with yourself what innovation looks like in their space to then be able to innovate throughout the entire process. Those are kind of the common roadblocks, but I think it's a little bit more helpful to say, have grit, be empathetic, but again, at the end of the day, keep focusing on on outcome-driven innovation. I love it, I love it, uh, especially grit. I think that's a, a good one to have that sort of tenacity. Um, 
Dan, as we kind of close out with the time we have left, um, you're now at BMNT, and I'm curious how you're looking to take what you did with TSA and in the federal government and now apply it on the private sector side to support the federal agencies that you previously worked with. BMNT was such a natural fit uh, for my post-TSA life. Around me, my colleagues are very similar archetypes to me in that we've led or supported innovation activities throughout government, whether it's Navy, CISA, Army, a lot of DOD, our founders are, are ex-DOD and kind of Stanford-born innovators. And we want to continue to see the change happen in other organizations as well. So teaching uh, aspects like the innovation pipeline, kind of using our delivery model to assist in the innovation aspirations of any organization, it made sense to come over to BMNT and help grow that. Right now, we're really focused on helping people think through the idea of transition. So how do you bring not only great innovation ideas to the forefront, but how are you planning that transition process? I think, Billy, some of your questions, right? Or what are those roadblocks you're going to hit? Let's map them ahead of time. Let's figure out ahead of time where those roadblocks are and how we can get this transitioned as fast as possible. So it's a scaled innovation product that's really delivering value. And BMNT is just really leading the way, in my opinion, now working here, uh, as the government innovation and transformation partner. So happy to have anybody reach out, talk not only about my experience, but again, how we can come in and help uh, lead to some breakthrough innovations within your agency. Well, congrats on the new role and definitely looking forward to seeing what you do there. But uh, for now, thanks so much for your time. It was a great discussion on innovation. And uh, I hope that the listeners can definitely take a page out of your book and what you did at TSA. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You can learn more about federal innovation at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.